everyone and welcome back to this month's Feminist Futures. I'm your co-host, Wallace Grant. And I'm your other co-host, Lauren Williams. And we are in person this week. Woo! We are. We're in Amsterdam. We are. Just to give you a, a, a behind the curtain peek, we are currently sitting on my living room floor covered in blankets with the blinds closed, <laughs> hauled up, recording this, sitting across from each other with a mic in between. It sounds um, incredibly intimate. It is really intimate, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I think the alternative here that was uh, proposed was for us to sit in a cupboard a la harry potter under the stairs vibe but there wasn't quite enough space in the cupboard unfortunately for, not for no. two of us so it would have looked also with sort of um wallace's husband yost sort of walking around the apartment us like in the court in the in the cupboard i think that would have been really funny we'd love that yeah so apologies if there is a little bit of echo because uh we have tried to sort of pad the the walls yeah exactly uh, to avoid echoing but obviously not always possible so yeah exactly that we're sat on the floor with a cup of tea and each it's other it's lovely it's each other exactly that's the way it should be yeah how has your week been lauren it has been really good i'm actually very busy sometimes it's not the most enjoyable experience but i just feel slightly more energized than i yeah. was when i uh, left London. I mean, I think that was also due to the fact that I stupidly booked a very early morning flight on Friday, uh, which prevented me from having any sleep at all on Thursday, which might explain yeah. the uh, the the tiredness. Um, but no, and it's lovely to be here, and it's so nice that we get to do these exactly in, in person. person. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how about yeah, yeah. you? How has your week been? How are you doing right now? My week has been good. Yeah, also busy with work. And I think we were both just saying that, that it's so important to also take time out. And at the moment, I feel like I blink and the weekend is, is over. But no, my week has been good. And we had a really nice dinner last night with some uh, Scottish gals or gals who have a very strong connection to Scotland, which was very nice um, and nice to just kind of create that familiar space when you're living abroad in, in that. And that was that was really good. Definitely. And yeah. um, I think this week's, well, this week's, this month's topic for the podcast is uh, a real doozy. It's probably one that I've done sort of less like preparation on in terms of research, but like I know I have a lot of, feelings about it yeah, so exactly. um kind of looking forward to just seeing how it goes today in terms of where the conversation yeah. lands and I think Wallace and I are coming at it from like similar but different angles with different I suppose areas of interest in this particular sphere so I feel like you've kept people on their tender hooks now you're like you've teased it yeah. well yeah well this is probably like when we like thinking back to the introductory like episode when we talked about the types of topics that we wanted to discuss so I think one of the areas that for me like my relationship with film uh has probably uh, evolved quite a lot from like I'm sorry I'm not explaining myself very well there but I feel like uh, now that my eyes have opened to like what feminist characterization is mm-hmm. a lot of the things that I watched or was brought up on you kind of look back at now and you're like oh that is actually a terrible depiction of um you know either a female character or a, you know female themes and um you know there, there's a lot of things wrong with with this and so it's one of that those areas that I think my personal views have changed so much and it's one of the areas that I can clearly see a sort of before and after in terms of now when I watch something it's something that I critique much more actively than I ever did when I was 
was growing up. Yeah, um, exactly. And it makes me kind of sad as well because I just think... So, in short, what we are discussing this week is ultimately... I suppose, female characters in in film and television. Um, You know, where have we come from in the space? Where do we want to be? Exactly. Um, So what what does a, I suppose, feminist future of female characterization in specifically, you know, TV and and film? Yeah. um, On screen, I guess we could say. On screen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think we, we, it's difficult because obviously books are also in there as well in that way. But I think there's something around the industry of film and movie that doesn't exist as much as the industry of books if that makes sense it does I actually think one of the really key differentiators here and why specifically on screen is that I actually think a lot of um the depictions of female it's very interior it's a lot of like uh thinking being able to hear people's thoughts and I think books actually depict women better because it allows you to see those internalized thoughts processes um you know and we we i mean again this is a massive um generalization but we tend to express ourselves potentially more than than men do and i feel like books do allow us that insight and that window into it so much more than film and television does and therefore it needs to be much more nuanced in its like uh, portrayal of of female characters and that's why i think it, it is different talking about female characters in books versus female characters on on screen and i suppose people's particularly female characters that people do love from books how they are then uh represented on screen is also you know a separate conversation in and of itself so so i'm really excited and i think this is one that you know it will probably be asking as many questions as we're actually answering here and it's one for people to kind of take away and think about as they're the, when they're next, next watching a film, basically, in yep. terms of their own reflections on it, for sure. I had a really funny, because talking about kind of looking at stuff with a different lens, I had like a really funny um, moment recently where I rewatched something and it was so bad. So I rewatched 500 Days of Summer. Ah, yes. Which I remember loving that film. If anyone doesn't know it, but it's with Zoe Deschanel and Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And it was, you know, it's a heartbreaking movie in itself. But the first couple of scenes, I was watching it with Yost and it was really sexist. Like there's loads of like references to sluts or like just like slut shaming and like all these things and stuff. And I had to turn it off and I was like, oh my God, like in my head I had that film up there with one of those like classic you know classic rom-coms like Dirty Dancing or something and then re-watching it I just couldn't even get halfway through it like it was so bad well it's one of those ones that like when you were younger you thought she was the bad character yes she was the yes, one that, yes. that oh my God, behaved yes, badly so and then actually now that and I don't know if it's also because we're watching it now at an age where we might be entering into those sorts of longer term relationships and how how relationships work full stop so i definitely think age plays into it as much as our understanding of what uh good and bad characters are and yeah so lauren what for, for your side of things what was is there anything that you've rewatched that you've thought shit like that's actually so so bad and i had it put on a pedestal so do you know what i am um, i don't know if pedestal is the right word because i'm not sure why i ever liked this film is probably a, a better uh way of describing it and that film is shallow hal um, oh my god yes with, yes yes yeah yes. and with jack black and uh gwyneth paltrow and the whole premise is not just actively sexist and oh, i would yeah. say actively, and fatphobic and 
massively racist, so. I think, as well, transphobic. Like, yeah. I think all all those things, right? And the thing, the thing is, is that, like, I actually... This is what I mean about being a little bit depressing, is that I was, like, the fact that I was able to... Not, not to say that my parents shouldn't have let me watch it. I do remember, like, the bit that I found the most hilarious is that one of the characters, like, has a little... Uh, like nubbin like like it's got like a little yeah, tail yeah yeah or something. I remember this yeah and obviously as a child that's a sort of like ridiculous thing that stays with you and overwhelmingly it's not like I remember picking up any bad views or perspectives from this film very much just remember the, the man with the tail but um when I watched it back in a moment of like nostalgia essentially and also just recognizing like it's got a good cast right it, there are people who were you know really successful and at the top of their game and then to go into that film and have to act that out and believe yeah. that that is actually like it's just permeating stere- such negative stereotypes about yeah. men women fat people like yeah. and um i just i remember watching that and being like god this should be honestly actively banned yeah <laughs> this yeah. movie and i feel like it's part of a big generation of films like i would say like quite a lot of like adam sandler films uh, Eddie Murphy films where uh, like there should be almost like a process obviously there is a massive production process but like what are the questions that they were asking yeah. like you know the almost questions that you would imagine are who is the who is the target audience for this for this film and surely with so many of those movies it must just literally have been like men yeah white men you know and yeah. and, and you're all deliberate like from a production studio's perspective, you're already narrowing down your your target audience so much. I, I think back in the day, they thought that they didn't think about that because they thought that women liked this as well. Mm. And like, for example, like Taking Shell Hell, and there's actually a really, really great maintenance phase uh, podcast about this. They t- they just, de- I think it's on their Patreon, but they deconstruct like the film and stuff and talk through it. Ah. And Aubrey, who's the, who's the co-host on there, she talked about how her life, because she's, she's a fat lady, um, her life got, um, for significantly worse after Shallow Hell because people would make jokes about her following that and you know friends and stuff who were who were who were fat in that way and I think it's 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 so interesting that that was your, that was your choice because I also is something that I've rewatched it would be, it would often be like on ITV you know like that film yeah. would constantly be on like on on ITV and I think once you st- as you said like once you start to look at it and you think there are so many people who signed off on this mm. and then when you compare it to like today and I think, i'm sure shall how came out, came out early 2000s right it means yeah good question it's Actually, only been yeah. there's only been two you know two decades we've seen like a huge amount of of change in in that way there's 2001 a, 2001 was shall how well i know so i was eight years old and would have been watching that at quite a formative period of exactly my life. yeah and especially because i don't know i can't even remember this is pre or post um school of rock but obviously would have been like yeah. loving jack black thinking it was quite a similar and especially because it is seen as like a comedy i uh, yeah i i think it's one of those films that i was genuinely quite shocked yeah 100% 100% yeah yeah, so we had a little look because of the couple of stats in terms of like, you know, where we are. And obviously I think with this, it's it's much more difficult to quantify, but I think it also was interesting to kind of like look at it and see how they how they compare it. There's a great uh, website called Women in Hollywood, which has some great stats on it. This is from 2021 stats. So for the top 100 grossing films last year, only 41% of them featured a female lead or, or co-lead driving the pilot. Oh, wow. Um, uh, you had seven of them out of the 100 featured a woman or 45 
five years um, or older, whereas 27 depicted a man in the same age bracket. So seeing the like difference in terms of like ageism and stuff in, 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 in Hollywood. And then there was one really interesting stat that was, uh, which was looking at the top 1500 films, top grossing, sorry, in, uh, films Ever. of 2007 to 2021. So like the last right. sort of like, you know, 15 to 18 years. And less than 1% featured a woman or girl of colour in the leading or co-leading role. So again, as we always talk about on this, that the intersections, we're aware that we're talking about women in this and female leads, but the intersections of this with other um, attributes are just are, are incredible and 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 you know for women of color it is significantly worse and how we how we say that but totally and I mm-hmm. think when we were reflecting on this episode obviously yeah. like that it feels a little bit like a Pandora's box right because yeah. everybody watches films and may have their favorite like actresses actors etc yeah. so we could go off in any different direction but we, so we were trying to like frame it back to like what are the key questions that we want to kind of ask in in this particular episode yeah. and i think one of the key questions that we need to sort of almost start with is like how how what makes a film feminist yeah. was was the question yeah and uh, and i know most people listening the first maybe awareness that they even had of this is the uh, Bechdel test yeah. right so yeah which um, we had to look up how to pronounce today by the way so <laughs> I was if you also have been pronouncing it differently that's all right you're with us on uh, that yeah we're yeah, like I had I had a bitch we're like Bechdel Bechdel I don't know sorry to the woman who created that <laughs> yeah well exactly I was like I think I was getting it very confused with the concept of a bechamel sauce yeah <laughs> um so don't know why she didn't name it the bechamel sauce test um exactly. what do, missed opportunity Excuse but yeah me. I mean it's thrown around right it's such a such a um such a basic and rudimentary way of assessing a film but for those who aren't aware and have been li- living under a, a rock for the last uh, how many decades uh, the Bechdel test is ba- I just said it wrong again told you I've the got- Bechdel test the yeah. Bechdel test which was made by I'm going to say her name because Alison Bechdel in 1985 1985 is yeah. quite old I always thought it was quite a new concept so that's really interesting no yeah, yeah it's it's old and I think it just came uh, it's, I think uh, it was like either a um, a cinema or something basically uh, said that they would grade films based on whether they passed or not passed. And then mm. they would like advertise it as either passing the test or not. And that's when it came like much more into public consciousness. But for those that aren't aware, the test is, uh, does the film have uh, two at, l- at least two female characters? And do they talk about something other than a man yeah. at any point during the film? Yeah. Um, and obviously it is incredibly basic in its definition and it's I think deliberately provocative in the way that it assesses films so for example we were discussing how something like Lord of the Rings wouldn't pass the Bechdel test because uh, although it does have two females they don't actually like speak to each other at any point and I think they say and and also I think there's been kind of like a interesting um add on to the Bechdel test that's kind of come up where people have said do they talk about it for like more than a minute or something Mm. like they don't just have like a passing remark to each other because some people were like well technically this does pass the Bechdel test and that kind of thing but yeah Lord of the Rings like massively feels it and as someone who didn't watch Lord of the Rings until very recently I had only watched it I definitely watched it with that lens in my in my mind so very much enjoyed it it was very fun but I wish I had in some ways, I wish I'd had that moment where I'd watched it when I was younger and I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. But then I watched it when I was older and I was already looking at it with a feminist lens, which is basically why I can't enjoy anything anymore. <laughs> yeah, and I think what um, what's interesting is, obviously, what it tends to indicate is more than just 
the kind of characters and potentially the storyline but often that films that have either a female director or a writer or somebody as part of the production they tend to pass the Bechdel Bechdel test because naturally through having a woman involved in the production um, so often it's quite an indicative factor that says actually is this a film that I want to see yes or no because you tend to want to put your money behind a film that has got women involved in that production in some way or another so it's like it's like a little um just yeah an indicator to be like is this a film that I'm going to enjoy yes or no and I think I realize more and more that when I was maybe younger the actual like storyline or characterization was sort of less important to me I just wanted there to be action yeah involved and obviously as I've got older and I maybe start to relate to the stories a, a lot more than I did when I was a kid you know watching if you watch love actually as a child you'd be like you know you love that scene maybe at the end where like there's the boy dresses the octopus. Like, I don't know, there's the different parts of the film that you'd relate to versus now when you're watching it and you're like, oh my God, that scene with, uh, you know, oh, the scene with Emma Thompson. <laughs> exactly, like, divorce. I've watched it so many times yeah. and it still gets to me, like, every single time that, you know, like... Exactly, uh, different parts of the story you will relate to and therefore it becomes something like characters and having fully-fledged female characters becomes a lot more important to you at the point at which you can relate to the story, whereas that was not obviously the case when I was younger. So, so yeah, I really enjoy, you know, the discussion of the uh, Bechdel test as a kind of rudimentary indicator of, yes, yeah. is this film maybe not feminist, but does it have female females involved in it in some way or another? And then we were talking, uh, or, or reading at least, about how increasingly... Obviously, there's so many factors that make a film feminist or not feminist. So it becomes increasingly complex. So instead, uh, more and more people are looking at like specific characters to say, like, are those characters within the film feminist or or not? Otherwise, you'd have to go into this incredibly potentially complex critique of a film to actually try and explain whether something is, is feminist or not. Yeah, I mean, so the article that we were reading was in The Atlantic and it was by Holly Dare. And I think one of the interesting things that she wrote in there is like that the question is often is a film uh, feminist or not? And people equate that with sexist. Mm. So I think that a film can be without sexism, but not feminist. Mm. And Lord of the Rings, again, was used as an example of that, that like there's not really that much uh, sexism because there's no women really in it. <laughs> like, yeah. who would they be being sexist to? Um, but I think, yeah, it wouldn't, it doesn't pass the feminist kind of bar in terms of that, as it doesn't pass lots of different things with, you know, the lack of um, people of color characters, for example, and that kind of thing. They can make a fantastical land, but they can, you know, have that same as, same as kind of Harry Potter. But I think what's really interesting when we're talking about um, increasingly is that I think our generation of women have seen a really big shift Mm. because I am currently rewatching Will and Grace. Um, And that was sort of early 2000s and obviously you had Sex and the City and, you know, loads of people have have talked about whether or not Sex and the City is a feminist uh, TV show. And similarly, I'm kind of looking at Will and Grace with that as well. And I think when you see how much we've changed, even just these kind of TV shows now, um, that are a similar like equation, so much has changed and so much has has moved on in terms of the conversation and so much has come to these ideas. But we were also saying that there's a lot of pressure at the moment or there's a lot of kind of tropes to do with like the messy woman and not having, so we've gone kind of like the opposite direction with, 
you know, um, I'm trying to think of some, oh, Fleabag, obviously, is like the prime example of that. Killing Eve. Killing Eve, yep, you've got two messy, messy bitches in that, you know, like, you've kind of got that. Yeah, exactly. Um, oh my god, I just said that, but I, mean, <laughs> I was just thinking about saying messy bitches and wanted to say it. I didn't actually mean to call them that. Sorry. Very unfeminist of me. But um, I think it's it's a really interesting conversation because, as we were saying, like, have we gone so far the other way now that we're having these are we just going full circle in terms of tropes of of women Mm, i think they that as with everything you almost start off with that extreme in the sense that their aim there was to actively dispel these very unrealistic depictions of women who were passive purely romantic uh, fixtures in yep. a uh, yep. and didn't have any sort of autonomy or decision making rights of their own they were just there as a means to an end to tell mm-hmm. the story right um and so i think we have gone to this extreme to absolutely bring to the fore forefront of of writing and characterization all these complex thoughts processes interactions experiences that make uh, a woman what she is and that but at the same time that uh, I often think those depictions tend to be very unlikable. Yes. In the agree. sense that they are quite selfish and they've they've quite literally tried to kind of break down those stereotypes of um, mm-hmm. women in, in film and in TV by creating the complete opposite of that. And I, I, I do think it has not necessarily gone too far, but it is on the verge of becoming its own stereotype and own trope and I personally and this is I actually often reflect on this because more so with book characters than uh, necessarily in film but like I when I'm reading a book I like to root for somebody and I like to have somebody that I like (laughs) I tend to really be quite susceptible to likable versus unlikable characters and that's why something like um, a flea bag I remember watching it and being like yeah but in reality like would she actually have any friends like would anybody want to hang out with her because um and i always feel this a little bit about becca from pitch perfect as well like anna anna kendrick's character and i just remember being like this is so unrealistic because this woman just like wouldn't have any any female friends but i'm like no that like and this is why i challenge myself on this which is that like i don't think women should have to be likable in all cases but i just think there is a sort of happy medium with these types of characters that we haven't quite reached yet yeah and we were also talking about the fact that like you know with this like messy woman trope i think when it's not directed by a woman you know when you're watching something whether it's been directed by a woman or not i think with fleabag and with others in in that way you can sense that it's really in that way but there was quite a sort of um famous or like a a picture from uh, the queen's gambit which was quite a big recent couple of years ago right netflix show and there's this bit where she's having like her breakdown and um and she's um wearing this beautiful nighty in like you know lingerie and walking around and smoking a cigarette and drinking drinking wine and someone posted a photo of them like hauled up in their doobie like hair everywhere like being like this is what i look like when i'm having a breakdown like that is clearly and i understand that it's it's there as part of the appeal and there's obviously choices because it stylistically looks good and stuff but you end up with these kind of unrealistic 
representations of messiness then mm. in that way so it's kind of it's it's on the same coin that you're like this would never happen like if she was an alcoholic and drinking that way in, in 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 that kind of scene or if it was a guy for example i often think about that would they be the same would they be sitting like shirtless you know oiled up or whatever that mm. kind of thing i don't think they would so i think there's there's like we were talking about the layers there's a layers of like is the character feminist in itself are, are they like portrayed in that way and is the uh, you know how do the other characters also respond to that you yeah exactly exa- and how realistic yeah. is is that so one of the i suppose topics that often comes up when uh thinking about female depictions of characters is like when they cast or they do a gender bender of a character so you know your female doctor who's female james bonds yeah. female thor for example in the yeah. in the recent we've not had a female james bond right no no, no well no. technically um we've had a, a female uh, 007 because in the latest bond film um he had obviously kind of uh, they thought he'd died or retired can't remember which one spoiler yes <laughs> <laughs> sorry i actually haven't seen it either so yeah okay. spoils no, no, no that was the end of the film before so that was not um this this one uh yeah. but so they'd basically put somebody else in the role of 007 because obviously it's like a position in the government die another day is my is my bond like that's my bond do you know what i mean like yeah, yeah. i haven't watched like i'm hardly I watched like christina Morale or something but that just always was on the tv again itv that. playing that like christmas time you know yeah, yeah. That, is that the yeah. one with the giant ice sculpture <laughs> ice castle uh is that they all have <laughs> stupid names also like never tomorrow today or something we like. were at a pub quiz recently where um the question was like does the word live or die appear more in Bond film titles. Oh, uh, and that's so good. So we were like, live and let die. Because it's die another day, right? <laughs> die another day. Yeah. So just you know, in case you ever do get asked that question, die appeared one more time than lived. In, oh, that's, a, that's actually Bond a really titles. good pop quiz. Yeah, but you're that, welcome. <laughs> yeah, I know you get to learn so much on this podcast. But yeah, so on that on that particular question, I remember it came up for me around the subject of Thor. I think, and like, I have such a sort of two sides uh, to this debate like an internal war is raging in my head a little bit around this because on the one hand I think any sort of representation of women in these sort of incredibly famous roles can only ever really be a good thing um so you know Jodie Whittaker being um cast as Doctor Who I think it's it is especially for impressionable children watching that show yeah it is important from an equality perspective to say I, I you know i can do it too and this is not and unfortunately there just aren't or haven't in the past been the same sort of characters written for women no totally, um, yeah. so yeah. you know capitalize on it where you can however at the same time i think that's exactly the question we should be asking ourselves which is why can't we just write those sorts of characters but for women rather than needing to take a traditionally male character and make it suddenly female when the whole point about femininity is how it is so much more than just literally having a vagina or having a penis it is so by just suddenly switching a character totally that actually undermines the whole concept of what a feminist kind of character or story arc would would be and that's why particularly with James Bond and and that debate I think yeah the provocation is let's write a character that is as layered yeah um, yeah 
and also but i love the fact of it being like an action hero yeah. and like you know yeah. being very physical you know why why can't we have that and also i think it the whole point is so much of james bond's character is his relationship with healthy relationship with women in some cases and like yeah. his um hyper masculinity and like all of those things would not yeah. transition you, you know you're not going to have a hyper feminine Jamelia Bond you know like yeah yeah, it just, yeah, yeah, yeah. I talk the yeah. I, I think that just to clarify James Bond's uh relationships with women got improved massively in the last couple of years the first couple of films uh, yeah exactly they would not pass any first feminist sexual times but I, I I do I think I agree 100% that's such an interesting idea and I think the problem is is that when you say these things people are like oh well you're just in the camp of like not wanting them because there, there is a bunch of people who are like I don't want a female Doctor Who mm. like why do we have to do this like la 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 and I think when you start when you criticize it from a different perspective in that way like people often don't see that it's it's cut you it's it's a, it's a different argument in itself you know that you're kind of lumped into into the anti- anti-women anti-women yeah like, exactly and i or can spider-man be black as you know the other big one right in terms of like just like the race thing yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly and I, I but this is where i come back to ah uh, you know this we're, we're not going to get to the position of having such a famous female character like james bond has these decades yeah. of history behind it as does doctor who that unfortunately like no female character that I can think of, and I'm literally trying to think of this Racking as I brain, say yeah. this, you know, is ever going to achieve that same level of, of maybe visibility. In, um, and, and therefore, that's why I come back to that kind of yeah. internal debate to say, is it always a bad thing? I would love to say, let's let's write a character, but unfortunately, that, that character's never going to reach the same levels of fame as... Uh, as so the then is it better exist. to have someone come into a franchise that's already so big where, you're, where even though people might begrudge it, chances are they'll still go and watch it or still well, go and see it, you Exactly, know? so then they get that foot in the door and that yeah. platform to then operate off. So actually, quite a good example, and I haven't seen it, so don't worry, I won't be spoiling for any listeners out there, is the new Black Panther movie. So... Oh um, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So obviously, um, with the incredibly sad demise of um, Chadwick Boseman, he's having to hand over the Black Panther suit, and they've kind of lined up potentially three different female characters for uh, to take this on. And obviously, like the trailers have kind of teased it, but but oh, cool, been, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it is absolutely the whole point is that they've actually taken, you know, what what could have absolutely halted this whole film and actually turned it on turned it on its head to um to open it up to a whole different group or potentially watchers as well because particularly like your action and your superhero films other other than that in that you know avengers world you have scarlett johansson who unfortunately yeah spoiler alert passed away in the last avengers so you don't actually have any oh my god we've done like five spoilers for this we'll be like damn it i haven't seen any of these films i'm gonna go away people that know me that are listening know this is my one of my worst traits which is that oh I, is it yeah i love a spoiler i have i'm not very good at dealing with ambiguity i'm like the least so like i want to know yeah, yeah, yeah i'm the sort yeah, of person yeah. that will actively look up spoiler reviews before going to see a film so that it reduces any element of surprise whatsoever yeah. i have a question for you around because i was thinking about this so i'm not a huge film watcher like i do see movies now and again i'm much more of a series kind of person and i think I don't know if COVID moved that or changed that or that kind of thing, but I just, I've kind of moved away from watching films and it, it's something I do once in a blue moon. But I, I think if I rack my brains back to complex women characters who've been done in a really good way, 
it's mostly in TV series, but mm. do you think that's also to do with the medium? Because in a TV series, you have like, what, 10 hours, right? If you have 10 episodes, right? Whereas with a film, you've got such a short space to like do that. But then we, were t- we both haven't seen this, so we won't spoil it, but The Worst Person in the World, which your flatmate, is, mm. it, Rosie said to watch, um, and apparently is really, really great. It's only, a f- it's an hour film or two hours film, and it also manages to do a complex character well I think completely yeah it's a great question I I think it is a mixture of that in terms of often in a film every every character needs to needs to serve a purpose which is to further that storyline you know like they can come they can become quite formulaic in that sense hence why the Bechdel test actually works quite well because when you do start to break down films you do start to see consistent themes and things that happen and and arcs that happen in the same sort of timing and therefore I do think that often there was a reliance on females to serve a purpose in a film which often tended to be either some sort of maternal influence or actually the opposite in terms of like causing some sort of um, like the 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 eve effect essentially yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah exactly yeah. so where you know they've messed up their children type thing or maybe that's just because i've watched one too many criminal minds episodes yeah. and it always <laughs> tends to come back to like <laughs> the mum the mother um or they serve a romantic interest right um uh, and that that's the kind of goal that yeah. the man is going after um so i think that definitely is why it uh, we tend to see um that representation of women so much more in films in, in that particular way I do also think that it probably, and I don't have any stats to back this up, but I imagine it's about the funding element as well. And I think Huge thing, yeah. films with male characters uh, would have potentially secured more funding than those that were female forward or had more representation. And that just happened to yeah. be also representative of the split of gender in Hollywood at that particular time. So, you yeah. know, your, your films with your Cary Grants and your, uh, are, are more likely to get more money and more funding and do therefore better or are more likely to get um, given the green light than yeah. a film that had a woman at the heart of it. So I think it, there's probably so much more structural elements to, yeah. to that. And I think TV, the other point around TV is... Um, how platforms such as Netflix, Prime, you know, all of those ones, not sponsored by anyone yeah. in particular, you know. Pick um, which one we're going to show on anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, has opened up to a much greater percentage of people yeah. than uh, cinema ever was. Yeah. Um, and therefore, they've been forced into having to be much more representative of the population that are watching it. So and true. therefore, so true. the, you know, the need to have these accurate or really realistic portrayals of women is is so much more because i think people watching want to feel like they're being seen yeah and that also goes for other attributes as well you know like we're all getting into it but i imagine for people of color as well like there's also like this huge thing where you're seeing in different cultures and ethnicities and stuff i mean there's one of my favorite things is like i think with what was it in encanto you know the disney film oh, like, yeah, yeah and i actually haven't seen it but i there was loads of cute videos um that my tiktok knows me well that like this is what i need in my in my life <laughs> but cute videos of kids you know seeing themselves represented or their families and the way that they were kind of their dynamics or the songs or the language or that kind of thing and I think it's it has that too because when we see we actually I don't know if you remember this but we went to see Wonder, Wonder Woman, Woman mm. here together I've just remembered this and the reason we went to see it is because we were like feminism <laughs> and actually as a film, we had a great time we were slightly was, drunk when we went which was very fun yeah um, to, I actually think of of the films I mean unfortunately massively undermined by Wonder Woman 2 which 
yeah. we I could honestly do a whole podcast uh, on its own and, and I won't do that because I will bore the listeners uh, on how much I absolutely detested that film and it was inherently flawed um, so yeah unfortunately my love of Wonder Woman has somewhat been tainted by oh. that second experience god I hate it when a sequel does that but uh, yeah we did go and see it and I have to say I, it was quite on the nose in its you know it was definitely I remember I feel but, like we cheered, cheered as well we're like woo like when things happened totally we were like those horrible people in the in the audience <laughs> that like nobody wants to sit anywhere near yeah. um, but actually I think you're, you're you've prompted a question in my head which is that I wonder if there are certain genres that do this better than others yeah yeah um, and I think um, and this comes back to kind of the point I was trying to make about James Bond, where I think that like our at least our understanding of uh, characters uh, that are like in your action movies um, is so like because we've only ever seen men in those positions, like yep. masculine yep. traits are so tied in That's with so true. with how we understand what superheroes are yep. um, in terms of physical strength. You know, lack of Courage. emotion. Yeah, lack of emotion. Exactly. Yeah. So, like, it it therefore requires your de- your kind of female depiction of those characters to be uh, to really break down so much yeah. more than just creating like an entertaining film and actually like challenge people's yeah. understanding of what leaders and what strength actually yeah. looks like. So it's so much totally. more than just yeah, just uh, yeah giving somebody boobs and I th- yeah exactly and I think there's also something interesting because I was tr- trying to think about films or tv shows that have done this well and I think we have had a really good like kind of big and I'm, I'm thinking of you know how I may destroy you which is you know a kind of uh, female lead in that you've got yeah we talked about Fleabag Killing Eve Starstruck Grey like these mm. complex characters but then I was also thinking about um normal normal people um but I was thinking about Connell's character because what's really interesting I think also about the kind of lack of female representation or that is this boxing that we have of like which characters do wait do, do what we then don't get complex male characters either true so it works or, both ways it works both ways i do mm. think we we do probably get more complex films about men compared to women but i think in general they are still stereotyped because connell for example in normal normal people is such a complex character mm. and his masculinity and his strength is is tied to vulnerability and his ability to kind of be raw and emotional and that mm. kind of thing and stuff so just just thinking about paul mescal <laughs> no yeah i mean when are we not when are we not paul mescal no and I, I like that's why i um it does absolutely work both ways yeah. like in terms of exactly that like turning up the dial on the kind of action figure female action heroes and turning up the dial on the other side of like yeah. more you know nuanced portrayals of men yeah. and the different roles that they can play and the other area that uh, just because i was uh, uh, when i said criminal minds it made me think about it but like that's one of the other areas where uh, detective shows mm. and often like the murder mystery type uh yeah. Yeah. world tends to unfortunately the depiction of women they tend to be killed you know within yeah, the yeah, first yeah. Yeah. three minutes of, of a film and often the role of like a, if i think about your your detectives like yeah. your you know ranging from midsummer murders um yeah. to um you know morse and all these like really famous yeah. um uh investigators poirot everything there, there are no 
You've got your Miss Marple, actually. Yeah. I, I Forgive me, I forgot Miss Marple there for a second. But when but... you do the ratio, as we were doing earlier, like it totally outweighs it in that way. Yeah, yeah. and so there, there are definitely some genres that I traditionally associate more as male and some that I traditionally associate much more westerns for example much more male yeah than female you know you've got the damsel yeah. in distress type role i would I, be really curious about horror i don't know i'm not a big horror fan yes so but i'd be curious i think there's always like the there's a trope about you know that the black person is the first one killed and things like that right and and i wonder if there's also similar things about the women i imagine screaming screaming running, running vulnerable sexy like that kind of like vibe of you know always good looking like that kind of thing and yeah, that would be an interesting kind of, there's probably yeah. research out here about it, but, you know, interesting to, to look at the the differences. Yeah, and I think one of the areas that I have definitely noticed a shift in, and this maybe comes a little bit into the conversation we had about messy, depiction of messy yeah. women, um, which is comedy. And if I think about, you've now got, I mean, obviously the groundbreaking bridesmaids, which seem to like, and again, this, the portrait, the, um, depictions of women are fairly on the nose talking about like you know how extreme yeah, yeah. you go yeah. it is obviously that scene where they all get the shits basically mm-hmm. and that was to dispel the notion that like women are prissy and don't yeah you know have bodily functions and all that sort of stuff um and i think uh, you know it was fairly extreme but it did open up this whole you know it was like this stupid realization of like oh my god women can be funny and then that was kind of followed yeah. by you know, and I, I know a lot of people are not big Amy Schumer fans, but like your train wreck and yeah. all of those um, different areas. And that, that's definitely, and I think maybe it's because I'm also growing up uh, and these are the type of films that I would watch in my kind of 20s. It's yeah. just one of the genres that I do feel has really taken on board the, like, how do we get more female fronted yeah. comedy where women can be funny, yeah. can be new, and you know, how do we find humour in that, you know, exactly. layered portrayal rather than it being seen as like, a, yeah, complex, uh, what is it, manic dream pixie girl type yeah. vibe. Yeah. Um, Although we all wanted to be them. <laughs> we all wanted to be Zoe Deschanel in 500 Days of Summer. Absolutely. Um, also a banging soundtrack. Oh, well. it's such a good soundtrack. Maybe I'll just listen to the soundtrack and pretend like it was it was good in my head. And yeah. Then, yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. It was it was because I wanted to watch it with yours and he was like, this is absolute horseshit and also really sexist. And I was yeah. Like, okay. Um, but I want to, because I think I want to try and look a little bit into the future to so sort mm. of like, as we're sort of tying up the conversation around this, but it's funny because what I, what I like to do in this section is that I like to give people this kind of like little bit of toolbox or ideas or things that they can go away, go away and do. But obviously this is like, unless we're talking to like, I don't know, funders in Hollywood and um, maybe you are, hello, welcome, um, fund us, woo. No, but I think you're, we're, there's not much that we can do. Or maybe there is as as viewers. Do you think as viewers what we can we can make a big influence on this and and allow yeah hundred percent. Mm-hmm. I mean that can be the only way. Uh, I think of you know it, it ultimately and again I do not have a particularly good understanding of how this world works, but I can imagine money is pretty much the thing that drives yeah. this entire yeah. um, process. And so I would say you know not necessarily like put your I'm going to say like put your money where your mouth is, but it's like put your eyes. Yeah, like. <laughs> but you are putting your money because if you're going to the cinema to pay for it, like that way. And I know that we all now have Netflix and la 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 all that kind of thing. But if you're going and you decide to go and pick something to watch or not pick something to watch, that is also a statement in itself. Yeah, I also think something like word of mouth. There is something incredibly powerful um, as a female, and this is what I was saying about like feeling like my eyes have opened. 
about feeling seen by a character. You know that moment when you read a book? Oh, yeah, And yeah, yeah. you're suddenly like, oh, my God. Yeah, I just remember feeling it when um, there was a bit where somebody steps on a leaf and they love, like, the crunchy sound of stepping on a leaf. And I remember being like, oh, my God, I didn't realise anybody else felt the same way about stepping on leaves as I did. Um, but I, Lauren's out here, like, stepping on leaves, be like, everyone's missing out. What are you doing? <laughs> exactly. So, but, like, obviously taking that to the extreme, I, there are... I do think with with bridesmaids and like with the female kind of characters on on Saturday Saturday Night Live, I really love being uh, looking at a character and being like that's me or like that's yeah. my friends or like, yeah. and so I'm almost like when I do experience that and when I watch something that I think has a really good depiction of a female character, I think sharing that actively with my friends because it becomes a little bit addictive and it now means that I'm much more dismissive of films that and I just think they're lazy yeah 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 totally um, and you're like I'm bored I'm not entertained anymore like I've already seen this it, trope exactly kind of thing, yeah. and, and I honestly look back at some of the stuff that I used to watch and I'm like I'm surprised that I found this engaging 100% yeah, um, yeah, yeah totally and so I definitely think sharing when you experience or read or watch a character that um you yeah. feel it, it is accurate and I think stop watching a film if you feel like it is a bad depiction yeah so yeah yeah absolutely and i would also put a a shout out to our guy listeners um out there if there are any just yours probably but (laughs) we know we know there's a few um i think there's something also around the fact that i i think a lot of the film industry is really is geared towards men so if you are wanting to put your money where your mouth is like go and see female directors go and see stuff that you think is not that maybe up your street or whatever, go and see things that are like more female films mm-hmm. or, you know, in a better quote, as I'm saying, because that's also making a statement that you're opening your eyes to seeing different things and, and doing that. And it's the same with like, you know, anything, going to see, just trying to see something that isn't for you, mm. I think is very important. Yeah, absolutely. And I didn't realise how much I had absolutely seen everything through a male gaze, like in yeah. film and t- in TV for a long, long time. Until I suddenly then was like, oh, there is a different perspective and it's one that I share. So that makes everything a little bit more interesting. And then I suppose like the other world is is more around the chicken and chicken and eggs situation around um, female writers. Like I suppose encouraging more people to go into an industry that I think has traditionally been viewed as inherently sexist like yeah I'm not sure I was trying to think about if there's stuff that we could do and, and you know there's always that bit that's like I could try and write more and you know submit yeah. things and that's not necessarily what I want to do but that's why I'm saying the word of mouth and sharing a good experiences and and yeah and, and trying to force I think it probably is through tv as much as possible your big uh to, to sign shows that are more female targeted yeah. for, you know use our power as an audience 100 percent yeah and then I was trying to think about if there are other ways in which you could support like almost like platforms that then springboard women into uh, those sorts of positions so I often think people tend to start out in like theater and and again I know so yeah. much of this is tied up in the ability to afford to go to the theater and yeah. and, and I do definitely recognize that but um I, I wonder it's about like actively researching those sorts of Yes, where people start in in those careers and try and encourage or try and actively participate in that in that world for sure. Yeah, totally. Um, And then, yeah, I suppose there's a bit of a sad one, which is like basically support cinema full stop because it seems like it's a real, not necessarily dying breed, but like it's not doing well at all. No, and you know, 
Uh, so and I think we, I think when we're saying cinemas, we mean like independent local cinemas that are doing, you know, but even like even the other ones, cinema, you know, yeah. maybe not view. What's but the I one think that? if you can choose them over 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 that, I think that's a good part. But you're right that you know, for a lot of people, their Odeon or their view is the closest thing that they have to them for for sure. Yeah, and I was wondering if there was also something there about like when you read a good female character in a book or something like, you know. Uh, pushing for it to be made into a like yeah Yeah, I mean you know there's strange things I think also like the power of social media right to kind of like voice your opinions on this and find others who have who have this I see that see that often I think I wanted to I think I have one more question before we kind of like um start to close off but something I've been thinking about is what would be your portray or what would be the perfect portrayal of you for a complex woman Mm. like what kind of things do you not think were showing on screen enough yeah great question uh and one that i definitely have an answer for but it will not be i will give it in a messy way which i feel like is quite appropriate for the uh for the whole messy women trope um which is ultimately this piece around layered portrayal so i think that you can be un uh, this, this I suppose it's like a likable messy woman <laughs> I'm definitely not articulating this as well as no I but I mean th- this is the thing it's not it's not an easy question for us to ask in terms mm. of saying like this this is that way but I think I was thinking about why for example someone like Fleabag is so the extreme opposite and what makes her the most extreme opposites of that mm. and I think there's something around the sort of it's, it's the extremes of it, isn't it? Like, I think most of us have elements of these complexities in us, but they're not on the extreme level. And I would love to see more characters where you get to see, like, snippets of that in their in their yeah. everyday life because what you present to the outside world is not that, but internally or, you know, with books and things, you can see the internal monologue that's there. And I think there's something around what does it mean to have those elements of of ideas of wanting to like i don't know in fleabag she's like you know wanting to fuck a priest or whatever that kind like of thing the contradictions that the exist. contradictions that's a really good way of putting it like yeah. what what does it mean to have them live with them but then maybe not act on them or like maybe act on them once or twice and then and then like how does that kind of relate and i think it would be really interesting to see that and then how does it actually fit into your everyday life to, to build on that so when faced with a contradictory decision or thought or experience um how does she make a decision how yeah, does she decide yeah, yeah. how to proceed with that who does she pull upon into that discussion and that might be a mother a father a friend and yeah. i think often something that is massively overlooked is male female friendships yeah totally and often that is you know those com- the complex complex web of those different relationships and that support yeah. network that every woman tries to build around herself that a, a depiction of that in an accurate way yeah. um would be would be great and i do also think one of the themes that's coming back to the age point is this idea of like uh women without children like yeah. showing different women in different contexts that aren't the ones that people are most familiar with so uh, as yeah as a mother with children as a damsel in distress like actively thinking about how we can make sure that we are depicting women in situations that they have not traditionally been found in in a in that uh, particular media 
Yeah, and I think also one other thing that I think is 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 definitely improving and, and is something that we as women should really hold on to is the is the portrayal and kind of love of uh, women's friendship, like friendship between women and how that differs to friendship between that you have with a man and mm. like men have with the other men. Like female friendship, and I saw this really cute video the other day that was like, um, how did we go from teenagers sitting in, like when you have a group of friends that you've known for a long time and you go from teenagers sitting gossiping about boys and that evolves as you get older. And it's the same, we sit down and we, you know, we did it last night with friends, we sit, we talk about things. Okay, it's not about whether you snogged somebody or whatever, yeah. but it's still there. You're talking about your life, you're talking about those things. And we, as women, I think tend to go more in depth in this. And again, I'm generalizing here, but I, I love that and I love seeing it because it represents how I am with my women in my life as well. And exactly. I think we've seen some really good evolutions of that come into come into play. It would be fascinating to look at, you know, of the most successful female-driven, you know, uh, films. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you mentioned Sex and the City, for example. Yeah. They actually do tend to, and I'm, again, have no stats to back this up, but they tend to be women as a whole or as a network or as a, like a, rather than a single women uh, well yeah i think actually like for sex and city because i've recently re-watched it and been listening to podcasts about it um they their portrayal of female friendship is probably the most progressive thing in the show mm-hmm. because they rely on each other and there's this like famous scene where charlotte says like maybe we can just have men as partners and maybe we're each other's soulmates like why wouldn't that be so bad yeah you know and, and that's why i'm like almost just thinking and how we tie it all back together in terms of what we've discussed is that like yeah it, i think unlike those traditional um big male leading man productions your james bonds your supermans your spider-mans where they are one character they work in isolation or at least have like a sidekick whereas actually the the female characters that have been successful are the ones that actually often tend to be like the glue or like pull you know if you think about your black widow actually so much of the and sorry, I'm using a lot of Marvel references, but like I, I think they're it's, also going over my head too. So. Sorry, yeah, it's more that they're, it's such a traditionally male-dominated area that I think it is important to like touch upon where there are women in in that area. But she like the strength that she has is is in her relationships with those people and how she mm. brings them all together and That's interesting, makes them yeah. into a cohesive unit. And um, I just I, I wonder if that is actually more where we need to go is is, is leveraging that that woman as a not necessarily as a cog, because I don't. I want her to feel like she's a leading female, right? Yeah. But like that that we bring to life the role that she plays within a group or with bringing people together, much more so than just like, um, yeah, a singular man who operates, yeah, you know, within the context of just his own sphere and and no others. Yeah, maybe we should like start an anti-James Bond club. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Jamelia Bond, I actually thought was, and all the songs on the soundtrack can be by Jamelia, uh, oh, yeah. the singer. <laughs> Um, or revive her career like just like lock her in a contract <laughs> sorry every single soundtrack is and, it, and they always have to have the word the die or live in them <laughs> yeah. and exactly like i mean uh every billy eilish and adele they're all out there getting all these oscars for um yeah for their amazing james bond songs and we'll just be there with jamelia jamelia bond <laughs> creating a lovely little budget budget version but yeah on that note I know, and I know that this has been my topic of kind of interest and passion. No, but I think it's been so interesting. And I think one of the things that we always come back to is like, 
film the medium of film and tv shows is so permeating per- yeah. permeating and as you were saying about shallow hall like watching that at such an early age how that defines you and i think it's such an important topic even though maybe it's not like political that kind of thing but it's representation and it really what you see and you put into your brain like influences so so much and and for kids especially and as you grow up and stuff i'm excited that the tv that we have now is so much more diverse for like you know i have a little niece and when when she starts to watch tv see she will see people who look look like her who are her who are you know that kind of thing and I think so that's why it's an important topic to to talk about tell you one thing we haven't discussed yet on this episode but we have in every other one is the element of choice oh yeah I actually thought about it I was like what are we gonna bring it in yeah and well um, but you can choose exactly to watch a film or not I think is you choose basically we just always want to end with this we're like (laughs) it's more that you will have choice in yeah. the films that you, when you when you yes. look at oh my God, a yes. band of films on Netflix that you're not just going to have, oh, if I want a feminist comedy, I only have Bridesmaids or I only have Mean Girls. I mean, yeah. Mean Girls Classic. is not necessarily a feminist comedy, but like I want funny, oh. funny women. I, know. I would say it is. That's interesting. Maybe that can, we can think about that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Tell us in the comments what you think. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but uh, you will have more than one choice in terms of what to go to. And I think that's like a really exciting prospect for sure. Yeah. Exactly. We did it. We got it in at the end. We always have to come back. Um, Thank you for that. That's just so nice to do it in person. And um, 100%. We have to also tell you that all both of our bums have fallen asleep because we're sitting on the floor. So we need to move now and actually like, you know, get the pins and needles out. Exactly. Um, But as always, thank you for listening. It's always, it's been so nice. And thanks to everyone for the nice comments. I'm sure I've had from friends loving the fact that you're on on the show and, and uh, yeah, just loving our chemistry, which is great. Yeah. Um, And as always, you can follow us on Twitter at um, podcast feature and on Instagram at feminist features pod and yeah give us a like give us a tweet give us a repost tell us what you think tell us you disagree yeah tell us your favorite feminist character if you disagree with anything that we've said yeah uh in some good james bond jamelia bond sorry titles for (laughs) for our new feminist (laughs) it's just gonna be something like just die (laughs) let me die or like die men die (laughs) exactly very on the nose Our explicit portrayal of like women live, men die. (laughs) Jamelia Bond. That's actually great. Let's let's copy. Nobody will will fund this. Yes. uh, We can maybe start crowdsourcing and see if you guys will support us. But no, thank you so much. And um, very much looking forward to uh, next month's episode. Don't know what it's going to be on yet. We'll be into 2023, which is very exciting. Mm, So of course, very fun. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, thanks everyone, and have a great month and we'll we'll see you next month or hear you next month or speak to you next month yes thanks guys (laughs) 